you've wanted to create those beautiful, moody, dark images that really give an otherworldly look and feel to them, uh, today's podcast episode is going to be just for you. common things that a lot of photographers want to know is how they can create really moody, dark, otherworldly looking images. This is exactly what we're going to be talking about in this episode of the Learn Landscape Photography podcast. So this week I went ahead and interviewed Michelle Moray and she has some absolutely phenomenal images when it comes to otherworldly uh, looking images, moody photos, as well as drone photos, and just some really great artwork on her account. I think you guys are really going to like her photography. If you haven't checked it out yet, of course, check it out in the link down below uh, and then listen to my conversation here with Michelle Moray. Well, today on the podcast, super excited to welcome Mish. Um, she is an incredible photographer that captures some really great otherworldly images. Um, I will let you do the rest of the explaining. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about yourself? Well, do. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is Michelle Moray, and I go by Mish. I've got a 15-year background in the fashion industry. I went to school for apparel design and merchandising and textiles, um, just recently, within the last five years, I've become a full-time freelance commercial photographer. So kind of pairing that love for fashion um, with photography in the outdoors. I have a passion for otherworldly landscapes, a love for sci-fi and geology. Uh, grew up in the Pacific Northwest, but I just recently moved to the desert in Las Vegas, Nevada. Nice. That's a great place to be. Uh, I sure love it down here in the desert as well. Um Obviously, the location is huge in your ability to capture the otherworldly images, but there is quite a few images you have in your portfolio where like you've seemingly captured a place that uh, to me wouldn't necessarily look otherworldly, but you've been able to capture it in an otherworldly way. Is there anything specifically that you do either in the field or when you're editing that allows you to capture that more, I guess, like otherworldly or sci-fi look to your photos? Um, I think the biggest thing is even if I'm visiting a popular location, I don't research what others have captured um, just so that when I get there, I can kind of soak up the environment on my own. So I'm not influenced by anything else I've seen other than my own imagination. I think my eye is attracted to things that are slightly strange. So I look for details that make the landscape a little bit odd and a little bit different and more interesting and kind of try to shoot them in a different way that I see it. Um, as soon as I get to a landscape, I'm always saying what happened here, you know, so many millions of years ago, what was it in the earth with the wind and the erosion that kind of created this place. So a lot of times I'm researching a little bit of the behind the scenes for that. But um, a lot of it, I think has to do with lighting and weather as well. So not shooting that bright midday light, but kind of waiting for blue hour or waiting for golden hour or getting that beautiful sunset or stormy clouds as well, um, uh -huh. I think is really key. In post, I think it has a lot to do with my color grading. I get inspired a lot by movie stills. So 
like if I'm really wanting to create a scene from Dune or a scene from Blade Runner, kind of seeing seeing the inspiration from the movies that I love and kind of emulating them in my own world and how I want to portray my photography. Yeah, that totally makes sense. What does that color grading look like? I mean, are you using the color calibration sliders? Are you just using the HSL sliders? Like, what does that look like? Um, honestly, and I mean, I'm pretty self-taught. It it started with me just kind of messing around to get something to get a product that just looked good to me. I use Pinterest a lot to create a collage of tones that I like or scenes that I'd like to portray. And then I try to kind of emulate that. And a lot of it has to do with selective color in Photoshop or color range in Lightroom. So I'm really picking out those colors that I really want to see. Like if I want more cool tones or more warm tones. So I'm often desaturating the tones that I don't want to see and the ones that I want to accentuate. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, another thing that I, uh, speaking about editing, another thing that I think that you do really phenomenally well is to create that really like dark and moody look that I think is something, uh, and, and on, not in all your photos, of course, are dark and moody, but some of them are. And I think that's something that there, a lot of photographers want to know how to create. Do you have any advice for somebody that's trying to create those dark, moody looking photos? Um, yeah, for sure. I think when I first started out, uh, my photos, if I look back at my photos from like five years ago, everything was very, very desaturated. And I think over the years, I've learned to introduce a lot of color. Um, but I think using those moody tones, like the deep blues and grays and earthy browns, they work together to kind of enhance the atmosphere. Um, like I said, selective color is, is a game changer. I think it works really well to be able to, to look at a tone. Like if you're looking at oranges specifically, you know, orange can be so many different tones and blue can be so many different hues. It's so it's really kind of what your eye is attracted to. Um, I think for, for portraying dark and moody too, textures, paying attention to the elements in the environment that you're shooting that create the mood. Um, and experimentation is key. You know, just if you look at movie stills, like I, I definitely inspire myself from a lot of different movies, um, like looking at Dune, for example, and kind of seeing how the color grading works in those movies and looking at the stills and kind of creating a palette of the scenes that you'd like to try to emulate in what you're shooting. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think that uh, for anyone listening, if you haven't ever used that selective color adjustment before, it is such a slept on adjustment. And there's so many more things that you can do to your colors. And um, obviously, there's definitely a time and a place for like a hue saturation adjustment. But that uh, selective color is just so incredibly good. So definitely give that a shot. Um, I think when we're, I want to talk a little bit about, is there any piece of gear that you use that you have with you that you think a lot of photographers might not have or might overlook? Um, if that makes sense. Um, definitely. As of recent, uh, I had a friend in Iceland, let me borrow his macro lens for a while to shoot on. Cause I never really thought I needed a macro lens in my arsenal. And after I shot on it for a couple hours in Iceland, I was just blown away. I, I was like, how have I not had a macro lens before? I mean, not only is it good for the commercial side of things that I do, like shooting a lot of product details up close, um, but the lens is just so sharp to use in any environment and catching those extra little details that I might not have been able to get close enough to, I think is a game changer. So it's that's definitely something that I've added recently within the last year that I've been using a lot 
not only for macro shots, but just other photography as well. It's such a sharp lens. Um, uh, and is, is that a tele and, or sorry, what is the focal length on that? It's a 90 mil. It's 90, a Sony. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, I think as far as gear to my go-to thing that I've always had to have a really great, I think camera bag is very, very important because organization is key. I'm very unorganized person. So when I have something that organizes my gear in a way that I don't forget anything and I make sure that I have everything protected, I think that's something that's often overlooked for sure. Nice. Yeah. Do you have any camera bag recommendation then? Um, as of recently, I've been using the F-stop Tilopa, I think it's called. Um, and it's been great. Uh -huh. Like it's, it's great on my shoulders. It's very comfortable, um, even with a lot of weight on it. Nice. Great recommendation. Um, I want to take a break from today's episode and talk about a really cool opportunity if you are a beginner or intermediate photographer that is really serious about taking better photos and getting better at photography. Now, usually about four to six times a year, I teach in-person workshops around the Western United States centered around helping you become a better photographer. Now, my workshops are kept to just five people, which means that you will get plenty of one-on-one -on -one attention. So regardless of your skill level, whether you just picked up your first camera or whether you've been shooting for 15 years, I promise you, you're going to get so much out of it. I'm going to cater the class directly to you. Best of all, after the workshop, I'm going to add you to my alumni group on Facebook where you can get literally weekly image feedback. We can connect at all times. Uh, when the workshop is over, it's not done. I'm still going to be your mentor. I'm going to be there to help you and become better at photography. Now, like I said, if you're serious about becoming better at photography, don't wait any longer. Register for one of my workshops this year. You can visit austinjamesjackson.com slash workshops. That link will be down below in the podcast description that you can click on as well. I really can't wait to see you guys out there. Do you use any lens filters when you're out shooting? Um, I do have a Sony camera that is um, an infrared camera. And I use like a variable ND uh, red and blue filter on that. Um, recently, I've been using the Moment Cinebloom and it's only a 10% but it kind of helps to get that little bit of glowy um, ethereal atmosphere look to your photo. So I've been playing around with that a lot lately. Other than that, um, I think just a polarizer variable ND, I think especially with my drone photography ND filters are so key for sure. And it definitely helps to help accentuate the colors and make the colors pop. Yeah, absolutely. That was actually the next thing that I wanted to talk about was drone photography. Um, Cause as I scroll through your portfolio here, it's obvious that you've used drone for a few images that just look really incredible. Do you have any advice for someone on finding those otherworldly compositions from a drone? Um, I think the biggest thing is just taking the time to explore. I started on Google earth and I would just spend hours on a location that I wanted to visit, just looking at the earth from a top down perspective and seeing, you know, where do I park to be able to fly this far? Can I access this point? Um, is the biggest thing, just taking the time to sit down and kind of do the, the pre-planning before you go out and shoot. A lot of times it does happen in field, but I would say like 80% of my shots are probably pre-planned. Um, so using Google earth fat map is a really good one as well. Um, it's like Google earth, but it's a little bit more detailed. 
like for example, when I use it in Iceland, you can kind of see almost the current color of the river systems and like what sediments in the water. Um, so I've been using FatMap a lot lately and uh, Zoom Earth is also a good one as well. So kind of using those three different um, maps is great. And is, I have FatMap on my phone. Is it also on the computer? Is there a better way to do it? Um, I've used it on the iPad, but I'm not sure if you can use it on the computer. That's a good question. Okay. And FatMap is, it's paid, right? Or is it free? I can't remember. Um, I think it is paid, but I want to say it's like $2.99. It's not, it's not, it's pretty affordable from what yeah, I remember. If, and if I recall when I used it a while ago, FatMap's kind of cool because I believe you can download stuff for offline use. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, you can. Yeah. So I was using it for backpacking, but there's obviously a lot of potential there to download it for offline use. You know, if you're going to a location, you can download a whole section, which like it, it does take up a substantial amount of space on your phone. Cause it is like you said, pretty detailed, but it's nice to be able to have that in front of you because you can go and sit down uh, and look through and decide, okay, I want to hike out this direction today or that direction. Um, and you can find a lot of cool compositions. So fat map, is great. Uh, Google Earth is great. And then you said Zoom Earth? Uh, Zoom Earth, yes. What? Zoom Earth is kind of in between Google Earth and FatMap. And I, Zoom Earth, you can use on desktop, I know for sure. Okay. Is there anything specific that you're using that one for versus the other two? Um, not really. I think that's just more of uh, it's a free version versus the FatMap. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, that's great. Great, great ways to find some good drone images. Is there anything differently that you're doing when you're editing those drone photos or is it pretty much the same process? Um, it's pretty much the same process. I mean, other than um, a lot of the shots I take are multiple shots. So, I mean, obviously if there's something that I want to capture more of a landscape with, I'm doing um, multiple shots, like a 16 shot image that I'm uh, composing together just so that I can get more of the landscape. But other than that, yeah, it's the same process in editing. And are you doing that as like a pointing the camera straight down, flying the drone and taking like a panorama essentially from the sky? Is that how you're doing that? Yeah, essentially like a panorama. So depending if I want the shot to be um, wider in perspective, I'll just move the camera. But then if I want it to be even bigger in scale, then I'll actually move the drone as well. Yeah, that's that's some great advice. I've done that a few times as well, too, because you get to a point where like you can only fly the drone so high and you want to capture like more stuff. So you need to just fly it. And then the way that I've done it and you could tell me if there's a better way, but is you just keep moving the drone until um, just like you would a pano. So you put the edge of one frame in the middle of the next frame and you just fly the drone and you keep flying it and you capture all the shots. Is that the way that you've done it? Yep. hundred percent. And I mean, it's really nice too, because you can get the detail in the sky. So you can kind of take your exposure down in the sky if you want the sky to be exposed. And if the rest of your landscape is kind of a different exposure, then you can adjust that as, as well. And a lot of times, I mean, sometimes we'll get into post and they don't stitch together very well. Um, so I definitely try to take multiple shots just to make sure that I'm covering all my ground. Yeah, absolutely. And I've had a, a little bit better luck with stuff that doesn't blend in Lightroom will blend in Photoshop with a panorama feature too, but such a great idea. And it's so nice to be able to get those drone images with like more megapixels because obviously the drones are low megapixels. So it's nice to be able to get a little more detail when you do that pano. Uh, what I'm curious, what drone are you shooting with? 
Um, right now I have the Mavic 3. Nice. And do you like it? I love it. I think it's great. I mean, it's definitely an upgrade to the Mav 2, especially with video. I think the video is great. Um, for sure, thinking about upgrading uh, to the Mav 3 Pro, I've heard really good things. But so far, I think uh, just the 3 is a great drone. The 2 is a great drone as well. Sometimes I'll use it. I kind of call it the kamikaze drone because it's crashed so many times and it still works. So if I'm flying in some sketchy conditions, I'm uh, using the two just in case. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The three pro is the one with the three cameras on it, right? Yeah, correct. Nice. Cool. Um, good to know. So kind of the last thing that I like to ask here is if there, you have any one piece of advice for any photographer that wants to get better, doesn't have to be about anything that we've talked about in this podcast, just a single piece of advice for a photographer that wants to get better. Um, I think the biggest thing is I like to say evolutions don't come from complacency. So step outside of your comfort zone, do things that you wouldn't normally do. Um, and practice the more you do, I think the more comfortable you'll become. I think challenging yourself and being uncomfortable is a great way to evolve and to progress as a photographer. Nice. That is great. Evolution doesn't come from complacency. Really like that. Um, well, you tell us just finally here where we can find more of your work. Is there anywhere we can learn from you? What do you have that we can buy? Uh, give us the rundown. Yeah, I have all of my links on bio.site uh, backslash Mish, M-E-E-S-H. And then on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, I am Mish Uno, M-E-E-S-H-U-N-O. Perfect. I will be sure to link all that. Thank you so much for joining us, Michelle. Super helpful podcast. Um, really appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Austin. So, so much great information there in just a short podcast. Hopefully that'll help you guys to create some of those beautiful otherworldly uh, slash moody or whatever you want to call it. It'll help you create those images. I think there's so much to unpack in this episode and things that you can do in order to create those images. Uh, and we talked about so much great stuff. I want to thank you guys again for listening to the Learn Landscape Photography podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you get the podcast in your phone or wherever you listen to your podcasts um, so that you get it every single Monday when they come out. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you guys next Monday. Hope you guys have a great week. Bye-bye.